0: Students Podcast. My name is J.T. Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church, and what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students, so I hope that the sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. <clears throat> Alright, my title my message is Searching for Meaning, and have... Have any of you guys ever wondered what it would be like to be the richest man in the world? <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure all of you have. Um, or maybe maybe you say, no, riches aren't it. I want power. I want all the power in the world. I want to be able to do anything. Superpower. I want all the powers in the world to make anything happen that I want. Um, but what about wisdom? You know, maybe you're saying, no, I just want to be the wisest, smartest Uh, man in the world. Um, What about being able to do anything your heart desires, anything at all? There was no restraints. Uh, If someone with these characteristics, if they wrote a book, would you be interested to read it? And so tonight, um, we're going to look at David in the Old Testament, his son, King Solomon. And King Solomon was not only the wisest man to ever live, well besides Jesus of course, um, but he was one of the richest, most powerful men to ever live. You guys will get into that a little bit tonight. And so Solomon wrote a couple books of the Bible. He wrote Proverbs, um, which I hope a lot of you are familiar with. He wrote Ecclesiastes, which we're going to look at tonight, and he wrote Songs of Solomon. And I'm preaching on this because I spent most of of my summer studying Ecclesiastes, um, studying what Solomon had written, because I want to know his wisdom. I want to know. I want to learn from his mistakes. Um, And I learned a lot. It showed me a lot of ways that I was searching for meaning in the wrong places, searching for meaning in my work, searching for meaning in ministry, searching for meaning in family or friends. And um, <clears throat> that's why I'm so uh, excited and so in anticipation to teach this, because it's really made a difference to me, and that's my prayer. So with that, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Lord, thank you for this word, scripture that you give us, story of your son Solomon, who um, was magnificent, one of, if not the most magnificent man to ever live besides Jesus. And so we pray that the lessons that we will open our eyes and our hearts to the lessons that you want to teach us through through him and so we pray that in your name amen, amen. so I'm going to start by look just get, for those of you who don't know solomon we're going to look a little bit at his background who he was what he accomplished what he had and um, I wish we could go through it all but there is not time tonight <laughs> You can read 1 Kings chapter 1 through 11. It gives uh, details of his life. And if you guys want to, you can flip to 1 Kings um, chapter 1 and follow along. We're going to hop around to a couple verses here, highlighting some of the highlights of Solomon's life that the author pulls out. Um, so shortly at the very end of David's life, many of David's sons are trying to take take the throne. They're trying to position themselves to be king. And it forced, kind of forces David's hand, and David um, puts Solomon on the throne as king before he dies. Um, so Solomon becomes king through some trials. He establishes his kingdom, and then Solomon goes to offer a sacrifice to God. And if you guys are there, you can go to chapter 3, verse 5, um, kind of 5 through 10. And this is, one of, this is a big turning point in Solomon's life, where he offers a sacrifice, and then God comes to him and says, Ask what I shall give you. And so, you guys can be thinking, if God came to you and said, What do you want? What would you say to him? Just think for a minute. What would you say? And so, Solomon responds to God. He says, God, I just I want an understanding mind to govern your people. I want to discern good and evil. I want to be able to, for who is able to govern your great people? So Solomon's got a lot of humility. He said, Lord, I just need wisdom. I don't have what it takes to, to lead your people. And so it, verse 10 says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and not asked for long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but have asked for yourself, understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. I will give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after. I give you also what you have not asked. I give you riches and honor, so that no king shall compare with you all of your days. And if you walk in my ways and keep my statues and my commands, like your father David, I will lengthen your days. So we see um, what Solomon asks and what God blesses him with. First um, Kings 4:29, summarizes this, it just says, "God gave Solomon wisdom and great insight, a breadth of understanding, measureless as the sand on the seashore." Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the peoples of the East, all the so-called philosophers and wise men. It was greater than the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. A couple verses later, um, the author gives us some of Solomon's accomplishments that he accomplishes with his wisdom. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, and he wrote 1,005 songs. (laughs) That is how much wisdom he had. It says, all the people of all nations came to hear Solomon's wisdom because he was wiser than anyone else. So that was a little background on Solomon's wisdom. I hope you guys are getting kind of a flavor for how how much God has blessed him with this, how wise he was beyond any other man. Um, So we'll talk about now that second blessing that God gives him is the riches. And um, I'm skipping ahead down, if you want to skip to chapter 10. Chapter 10 talks a little bit about uh, Solomon's wealth Chapter 10, verse 14, it says um, Solomon brought in, I think it was 660 talents of gold per year, which, if you do the math, that's 50,000 pounds of gold per year, and I think, I don't know what gold is at right now, maybe you guys know, but it's an ounce, if you do the math, it's about one and a half billion dollars per year, uh, just alone in gold, not to mention anywhere else. Other in another place in Kings it said, Solomon made silver as common as rocks. Silver was not worth anything in Solomon's day because there was so much gold. Um, so Solomon Solomon was very wealthy, he was very wise. God fulfilled those promises in him. And the idea here is just to get a, just to get an appreciation for who this guy was. Um, those are that's his wealth that's his wisdom now I' look at just a few of his works touch on a few of the great works some of his accomplishments um, through Solomon's wisdom he brings the whole world under Israel's reign under Israel's power uh, using his wealth and wisdom he brings every all the nations of the world under the rule of God and then Solomon has his chronic kind of the crowning achievement of his life, the high point of his life, which is complete, building God a temple, um, which David wanted to do, and God said, no, your son will build a temple for you, and so it takes Solomon seven years to build this temple, and then this magnificent temple, which you can look at and read about, um, which you can't get into tonight again, and then he builds this, then he spends another 13 years building his house right next to God's temple. So a total of 20 years of building. Um, so this is kind of the high point of Israel. We get this Solomon comes to dedicate this temple to the Lord, and before he builds this temple, there's two different places where the people are worshiping, so they're not unified. Um, so Solomon brings unity, he's bringing unity in worship. He's bringing a place for God to dwell, a place for God to dwell with the people A place for God to commune with the people, and so this kind of has this high point where he dedicates this temple to God as this beautiful prayer. That's a whole other whole other sermon we've talked about it before in Daniel. Um, So I hope you guys are just getting that's kind of a little background on what Solomon did and what he was able to accomplish. It said the people of Israel lacked nothing and they were happy and joyful. And they had everything they needed. Um, And so that's just telling you how God is blessing Solomon to bless his people. So now we're going to get into our text. Um, And as you flip to Ecclesiastes 2, our text for tonight is Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. And Ecclesiastes is a really tough, tough book to read. There's a lot of different... (laughs) <laughs> a lot of different comments, a lot of different commentaries, um, a lot of different interpretations depending on the version of Bible you have. But verse one opens up with this Hebrew word called havel havel. All is havel. and that's the Hebrew word in your Bible. I don't know if I translate it meaningless or it might translate it vanity, vanity of vanities or meaningless and meaningless. Um, but the direct kind of translation, Um, is that word means a vapor or a mist or a breath. And so Solomon is saying this book is about that mankind is a breath. All life is a breath. He's saying life is here today and gone tomorrow. Just like the fog, fog in the morning when you're on your way to school or work, you see that fog out there in the fields and the sun comes up, boom, it's gone. Or that hot cup of coffee boom, that steam is gone, the cock is cold. And so that's what Solomon's saying. He's saying your life is just like a vapor. It's here today, and your life will be gone tomorrow. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the funerals I've been to, and I don't know, I hope, I think most of you have probably been to a funeral before. When you go to a funeral, it's a very, very sobering experience, because generally you hear... You hear about the person who they were, you know, this guy would give you the shirt off his back, or, you know, one time he did this for me, and all these people are kinda giving accounts with character witnesses for this person who died, and his family's there, and his kids are there. So you hear the accounts of their life, and then oftentimes you can go up and see, see the body. Going to a funeral is very sobering, because you know, like, yeah, just a matter of time, I'm gonna be the one in that casket, and there will be people, my kids, my friends, people that I've interacted with, co-workers will be there. And what will they say? What will they say about me? And so Solomon is using death. This book is filled with imagery of death because he wants you to think about your life. He wants you to put your life into perspective and think about, just <laughs> think about the meaning of life, just kind of pushing that theme. Um, pushing that theme, this whole book. Um, Later, he makes makes some statements like, the wise die just like the fool. They both die. He says, I'm going to die just like the fool's going to die. And then he says, chapter 5, he says something very similar to Job. Very similar. He says, as you came from your mother's womb, as you were born, so you shall go again, naked as you came, and you shall take nothing for your toil that you may carry in your hand. So he's saying very smart to Job, you were born in the world with nothing, and no matter what you do, you will leave the world with nothing. No matter how hard you work, no matter what your accomplishments are, you will leave. You came with nothing and you're going to leave with nothing. And so he's he's kind of pushing this, pushing this theme of death even farther. Um, all right, now if you guys want to read with me, we'll get to. Our message for tonight, which is chapter two, what Solomon has to say to us about our future and about how we should look at meaning, how we should seek meaning. Starting at verse one. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this was vanity or this was a vapor, it was a mist. I said of laughter, it is mad. I said of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart, how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works, I built houses, I planted vineyards for myself, I made gardens and parks, and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees, I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves who were born in my house. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than anyone who had been before me in Jerusalem. I gathered for myself silver and gold, the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man." And so I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem, and my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all my hands had done, the toil I had had expended, and behold, it was all a mist, it was all a vapor, it was a striving or a chasing after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So God gives Solomon this wisdom that no man has ever had or will have. And God gives it to him to to govern his people and to rule it well. Mm-hmm. reading this passage Solomon says that he decide, he's using his wisdom to test himself with pleasure. So God gives him this good gift and he turns it he turns it to explore and to test pleasure. In the first those first few verses we look and we can see the first thing he tests himself with is fun. He tests himself with laughter, with food, with fun. He wants to see how much fun he can have. And if there's anyone who could probably have the most fun of any of us, it's probably Solomon because he had right unlimited resources, dancers. right? He got these dancers. He got uh, buildings. He built buildings. There's nothing he couldn't do. And so Solomon's feast... He talks about in chapter four he's, this he said oh these are my this is how much food I used every day this is this is this is give you an idea of how much you was partying or how, how big a party he had every day it says um, I had for a day I had chapter four he said, first Kings 4 he says I had 30 cores of fine flour 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture fed cattle a hundred sheep, Besides deer, gazelle, robux, and fat and fowl. So he's like, yeah, I got the deer, I got this, I got that, I got the ox, I got the lamb. You know, basically, I got every, anything and everything you could ever want every night. And people say that people estimate probably around 1,000 ish, plus or minus, probably 1,000 ish people that would feed. So basically, imagine throwing a party for 1,000 people every night. That's kind of what he's doing. He planted vineyards, he's got all this wine. He's just, he's living it up as much as he possibly can um, to see if that will, he's testing himself with pleasure. And so when I, I was going into fall, I mean, it's kind of, kind of exciting, right? It's like, oh yeah, it's cool out, it's getting excited, but it's also sad, right? You're like, all right, going to school, like all the fun of the summer is gone. And I guess when I think of fun for myself, it's like, man, summer kind of, summer is fun, right? It's like what you think of when you think of summer, especially if you're a student. You're like, man, summer's fun. It's about hanging out with your friends. about going to the beach. It's about going to the lake, going to water park, you know, or going to, I mean, it's like, I feel like for me, it doesn't like going to like Devil's Lake and barbecuing and going swimming and having ice cream, hanging out, you know, laying in your hammock, taking a nap, getting back up, eating more burgers on the grill. You know, that's just like, that's kind of the epitome of fun. And so Solomon obviously took that way up. Um, and so for us, it's a, it's just, it's a warning. What are we, what are we living for? Are we living for the summer? Are we living for that trip to Devil's Lake? Are you, are you living for that, you know, that family vacation to the next, are you living for the next national park? Um, are you living for that next trip to your rich uncle's house and you can hang out on his boat or, um. I'm not sure what it is for you, but um, Solomon would, Solomon called called his fun, he called his laughter, he said, it is mad, and then a pleasure, he said, what use is it? And it just made me realize, like, those fun things, they never, every time you do them, they don't become any more fun. <laughs> it's like doing the things that are fun over and over become less fun and less fun over time, and... The summer, the day always ends, the weekend ends, summer ends, those trips end, it all ends. Um, and the other things that give us pleasure, um, the things, other things that give us pleasure or joy, like that video game that you loved at one time, it's now sitting on the shelf, right? You could probably look on your shelf and be like, oh yeah, I remember I played 100 hours and that thing, I haven't touched it or yeah, Mario Kart. I remember when I used to play, that used to be a thing. Like, now my Mario Kart wheel and everything is in the basement, hasn't, you know, hasn't seen the light of day. It's vanity, it's a mist, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And uh, that Lego set, right? I mean, it was like, wow, that thing was 3,000 pieces, and that was so fun. Now it's probably like in a bucket, right? Or on a shelf, or in a bucket, right? It It was a pleasure, it was a momentary pleasure. It was here today and gone tomorrow. It didn't satisfy you, you just wanted another set, or another. The next video game or the next you know it's always the next level the next thing it never ends and so solomon is giving you a warning do not look for meaning and pleasure those pleasures will not satisfy they will only <laughs> they will only enslave you to them and so you need to heed solomon's warning solomon said in proverbs 21:17, he tells us he who loves pleasure will be a poor man Solomon found fun to be mad and pleasure to be a vapor. Let's learn from him. Now we'll look at the next thing Solomon tested himself with down in verses 4 to 7. Um, he says, I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I planted fruit trees. I made pools. The water are the forest. Look at all these accomplishments. Just to think of those accomplishments, we is mind blowing. And um, I thought of myself. What are you know? When I die, and people are saying, "What did he accomplish?" Um, here's what Solomon accomplished. And um, but for us, and especially as men, and this is what the world will tell us. The world will tell you, "You're only as good as your accomplishments." What are your What are your stats? How many touchdowns? How many touchdowns? What's your QBR? You're only as good as your QBR, you know. I, know, I hope you. I don't know if you guys all know what QBR is, but <laughs> you know, what round of the draft are you going in? You're only as good as your draft. Is what round you go in your draft status? Your pre-draft, pre-pre-draft status. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we cannot fall for that for that for that trick. Um, that's what the world is going to tell us. That's what Solomon did. Solomon accomplished more than any man, more works than any man. A few, few, questions, few things that might tempt you guys is what ways that you're seeking meaning in accomplishments or works is your grades. What kind of grade did you get on that last paper? Um, what was your SAT score or ACT score or... How many points did you score in that last game? How many points? What was your, what was your team's record? Uh, what place did your team finish in? And, um, how many followers do you have? How many, how many posts do you make? What, do you have the newest iPhone? Do you have the newest iPhone, newest this, newest that? Um, so these are all accomplishments that the world wants to use to take us down. They want us to test ourselves with the pleasure of followers, the pleasure of accomplishments, the pleasure of likes. And when we get this game of comparison, comparing ourselves to others, and this game of accomplishments will only end in destruction, um, that, that test score is only going to be good enough until you go to college and... Those grades in college will only be good enough until you get your first job, and that first job will only be good enough until you get your second job or you get promoted. Or, um, those grades will all fade. That iPhone will fade until the next one comes out in a couple months. Um, <laughs> that that uh, all those points you scored in that game only mattered in that game. Those only matters what you do in the next game. Um, those of you who play fantasy football know that. (laughs) It only matters what you did in the last game. It's all about what player is going to do good in the next game. Um, And that's the same way the world works. It's the same way the world works. You're only as good enough. And so Solomon's warning us, do not, do not, beware. He's warning you, beware. Do not look for fulfillment in these works. All these things he built, all these things that the world tells us we need to build, these things the world tells you that you need to find meaning in. And social media man, just propagates this and traps us. Um, We have to be careful. Verse, down in chapter 2, verse 22, Solomon says, What has a man from all of his toil and striving at heart which he toils beneath the sun. His days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation, which almost means a frustration, or never-ending. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is a vapor. There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This, I, this also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or drink or have enjoyment? Anyone here lost sleep over, over, over an accomplishment or a work or a test? Um, Solomon's talking about you right now. He says, your heart does not rest because your days are full of sorrow and your work is a vexation. Um, he's saying if you want to find true joy in your work, true joy in your accomplishments, you can only find it from the hand of God, for there is no other enjoyment apart from that. So, if you're in that boat if that Solomon's talking about of works and accomplishments, defining yourself in that way, this is a warning from Solomon to you to heed his warning and to not fall down this path of destruction. Moving on to the next point, this last this section here, verse 8 down here toward the toward the bottom of this passage here. He says, I gathered for myself silver and gold, the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, many concubines, uh, fee- essentially female servants that you own, um, which are the delight of the sons of man. So this last point I called entertainment, the vanity or the mist of entertainment, of entertainment or sex, we could do a whole message on entertainment, <laughs> um, but this is another warning. Entertainment is not new to our culture. Solomon, instead of looking at entertainment on his phone, he got all the real thing. He acquired singers from throughout the singers and dancers from throughout the whole earth um, to perform for him and perform for his parties. Um, our culture tells us do what feels good. Our culture says, "Hey, you're going to die." Just like Solomon's saying. So if you're going to die anyway, just do what feels good. Follow your heart. Um, And so they twist. They're twisting what God wants to say to us. And if you listen to that, if you listen to those words of the world, you will become... You will go down the Solomon Road, which does not end well. Um, I was thinking of, what do you do when you're bored? What do you do when you have time to kill? Are you... Flipping, scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through Facebook or just watching random videos on TikTok or um, looking for anything that catches your eye, anything that will give you pleasure, anything that will give you a laugh, um, anything cool that you can tell your friends you saw or anything cool that you can do or maybe you just want to stay up on what the next thing is, what the next cool thing to do is, the next cool thing to try, like milk crate. No crating, or whatever. I guess I learned about from you. No crating. (laughs) Challenge. Challenge, or whatever it is. Um, Or maybe at night you're bored and you just turn on the TV and you're flipping channels. You're just bored. You're like, I'm just flipping channels so I find something that catches my eye and then I'll watch it. Um, This is what the world, this is what the devil wants you to do. This is what the world wants you to do. They want you to follow your heart to pleasure, follow your heart to give yourself pleasure. Solomon pursued this entertainment and pleasure, a bit farther and bigger than any of us ever will. He had 700 wives who were princesses. He had 300 female servants. He had these singers. He had these dancers. He pursued lust. He pursued sex. He pursued entertainment as far as he could. Um, so that it's a sobering thought for us as men, because we want to compare ourselves to God's standard to make sure that we're not falling for the ways of the world, the ways that Instagram and social media, the ways the devil want us to. So that should bring us to think, how do we look at entertainment? How do we look at women? Um, How do we look at girls? Do we look at them for what they can give us? Do we look at them to feel good? Do we look at them as someone who can give a status or have fun with or uh, someone we can post on social media that we were hanging out with or um, or do we remember that their daughters in Christ and that God they're God's creation that we're supposed to treat with honor and with dignity mm-hmm. and that we should be serving them and not thinking about what they can give us uh, I, re- I was reminded of this old saying that my my youth group mentor used to tell me and he used to say, you know, you can, uh, he said, you can always, saying goes both ways. So this is, he would say, you can tell what kind of girl or a girlfriend will be by how, you know, how she treats her dad or how she treats her brothers, her relationship with her family. It's the same way for a girl. A girl can see. A girl can get insight into how you're going to treat her, how you're going to act to her by how you treat your sisters or how you treat your mom. Um, Do you treat your sisters with respect? (laughs) Do you you honor them? Do you serve them? Do you listen to your mom? Uh, Do you honor your mom? Do you obey her? Or do you hide from her? Do you lie? Or do you talk bad about her behind her back to your friends? Oh, my mom... She won't let me go out, and and, you know, just just complaining about the authority that God's put over you. And um, for us as men, that's, especially young men, it's one of the hardest things to do at this point in life, um, is to come under that authority, come under her. That's what God calls us to do. God calls us to look at women, um, to serve them, and to honor them, to protect them, and not to exploit them as Solomon did. Solomon exploited women for his pleasure. So we want to learn this uh, this last lesson about women and entertainment from Solomon. We don't want to go down the Solomon road. Solomon tested himself with every pleasure that he could. Every pleasure on the face of the earth. Every pleasure under the sun. He found that none of it gave him meaning. Verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all of my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil, was the pleasure. Then I considered all my hands had done, and the work, the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, I found it was all vanity. It was all a vapor. It was all a chasing after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained. Under the sun. So that's his sobering conclusion to his quest for pleasure. Solomon is simply following in the steps, he's simply following in the steps of one of his distant relatives, Adam. Solomon, just like Adam, he builds this garden. Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Solomon builds this big grand garden. Solomon fills it with fruit trees. He fills it with oxen and sheep. He fills it with an abundance of wealth, just as God filled the Garden of Eden with an abundance. Um, He provides water and rivers. Um, Solomon even built a temple. He builds this magnificent temple and palace in the middle of this big garden to bring God's presence into his life and bring God's presence into his garden, just as God put Eve in the garden of Adam. And just like, just like Solomon's distant grandfather Adam who took that apple and ate it, Solomon does the same thing. Solomon is led astray. Um, his heart is turned away by his wives to read this last section, this concludes Solomon's, First Kings 11 First Kings 11 gives us the ending, Solomon's ending give you guys a minute to get there Solomon followed this road Solomon was under this curse that Adam, God put Adam under this curse, Solomon is under this curse and all of us are under the same, the same curse fighting the same curses that Solomon did. Money, entertainment, works. It's no different 3,000 years ago than today. Solomon would say that. In other parts of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> he would say there's nothing new under the sun. First Kings 11. Now Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabites, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these women in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and he went after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all of his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. We must heed this warning. We must not follow this road, um, this road of pleasure seeking. This, this, Solomon uses his wisdom to guide him in seeking pleasure. And, his, and it leads him down this path of destruction, of disobeying God. And so, just like, just like Solomon, though, just like Adam, all of us are under that same curse. All the men in the world, except for one, there was one, Jesus Christ. The perfect the perfect Adam, the one who is preparing a perfect place for us. The place in heavy a perfect place for us in heaven. Psalm 16 tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, and at God's right hand there is pleasure forevermore. Joy and pleasure that never ends, that we cannot imagine. Solomon builds this grand temple for God to dwell with the people. But it was Jesus, Solomon's great-great-great-great-grandson, it was Jesus who said, I will destroy this temple. In three days I will rise it again. And sure enough, Jesus dies on the cross, and three days later he rises again. The temple curtain is torn into two. The sacrificial system is gone, the temple is gone, because Jesus had broken this curse. Jesus breaks this curse that Adam and Solomon and all of us are under. Jesus breaks this curse when he died on that cross so that he could prepare a feast for each of us in heaven. He could prepare a place for us in heaven, a feast that would make Solomon's feast look pitiful and look measly. Which is hard to imagine, but we need to hold on to that hope. He prepares a room for us, and just like Solomon had all these foreign wives um, that led him astray, all of us have all of us have idols that are leading us astray. Idolatry—we all have vices of fun or entertainment or accomplishment. We all have things that are pulling us away. Pulling our eyes away from Jesus. But yet, just like Solomon took all these wives and their idols, Jesus is going to take us and our idols. He's going to take us and redeem us and bring us to be with him. But all we have to do is accept his forgiveness for our idol worship and for our disobedience. So that's our lesson Solomon ends Ecclesiastes with this statement in chapter 12, uh, 13 and 14. He says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, good or evil. He's saying God knows every single thing you've done, every word you've said, Every thing you thought you've covered up, um, every guilty pleasure, every way that you have sought the pleasure of the world. He knows it all. He will bring everything you've done into judgment. And Jesus died so that God could pardon all those things. We just need to turn our eyes away from the world and onto Jesus, and onto Jesus' blood to bring us Back into unity with Him. So, if any of you guys have any, want to talk more about it, I'd love to talk with you, or love to talk for you to talk to a small group leader. Um, and close with prayer, and then we'll head to our small groups. Lord, we.